Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man that says that if Pepsi was smart, they would make a Coke-flavored Pepsi. It's Ooh. Dale. <laughs> Damn, that is smart. That is smart. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, Pepsi. Pepsi, Coke okay? Pepsi okay? Yeah. Okay. You hear that, Pepsi? Yeah. Coke-flavored Pepsi. Coke-flavored. Be more better. Yeah. <laughs> that could be on the can. It's more better. Have a Coke and a smile. <laughs> Or fake Pepsi Coke. <laughs> What's <laughs> so, going on, Buck? What's happening, my friend? Oh, back in the crack house. Back in the crack house. Ready to rock. Yeah, we got a good episode today. We do. You got any good shout outs for us, dude? I do. We want to give a shout out to our buddy, our good friend, Angie Williams, out in Texas for an awesome Facebook recommendation she posted. Thank you, Angie. That's awesome. Uh, we'll give a shout out to Karen Collins Hilton. She kind of stumbled in to the crack house family. We want to welcome her. And a big shout out to our buddy Kim Poe who uh, brought this to our attention. What we're going to do today? Yeah, this is a good episode. And to go ahead and get into it, Dale, we are covering the disappearance of Justin Huiman. Yes, he went missing on November the twentieth, two thousand seventeen. Yep, Salt Lake City, Salt Lake City, Utah. Twenty seven years old. And we are pleased to have on the show today Marilyn Stevenson. We've got uh, Misty Beavers and Gloria Anderson. Hi. And uh, would y'all tell us, me and Dale, how y'all are related to Justin? One at a time. Yeah, one at a time. My name is Marilyn. I'm Justin Small. Thank you for being on the show, Marilyn. Yep. Thank you for doing this. You are very welcome. I'm Gloria, and I am the biggest sister. The big, the oldest sister? The oldest. The oldest sister. <laughs> The, the one in charge, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Misty. I am the sister that's closest in age to okay. Justin. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Marilyn, let's start with you. Tell us about Justin when he was young. What was some of his things that he enjoyed doing, and, and how was he as a small kid? As a young child, he well, it didn't matter his age. He was a mama's boy. From the day he was born, um, he was very ill when he was really, really little. Mm -hmm. He didn't have much of an immune system, so he got sick really easy. Oh. Um, so we kind of isolated ourselves and um, worked on getting him healthy. He loved being outside and, you know, playing all the things little boys do. Mm -hmm. Um as he got uh, six, six or seven, he fell in love with soccer, and um, that was something that lasted a lifetime for him. Yeah, awesome. uh, he played competition soccer uh, from the time he was eight until um, uh, eighteen, and absolutely loved it. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. All right, Misty, tell us uh, some of your earliest memories of Justin when he was a kid. Growing up together since yeah, you guys up. are pretty close. Yeah, yeah Justin, um, we wanted him. We wanted a little brother so bad. So as soon as he was born, he was spoiled. Um, my earliest memories of Justin are probably, you know, carrying him around so that he wouldn't have to touch the ground. And I'm... Um, we would tease him incessantly because he had the best imagination ever. So we would pretend like we would tie him up with ties to get him to sit still. 
Yeah. And he would sit there and scream and think that he was actually tied up. <laughs> they were <laughs> mean. <laughs> well, that, that's what sisters are supposed to do, right? That's right, especially older ones. They're supposed to torment their little brother. It's true. Um, we used to call him our little father because he it was our own fault. He was super spoiled um, and would get everything he wanted. He always picked where we went to dinner. Um, but we loved it. We loved to spoil him. Oh, that's awesome. What about you, Gloria? Um, my earliest memories are pushing him in a swing in the backyard. We had this little swing set in the backyard. And I used to have big, long talks with him while I was swinging him. <laughs> uh, he was just a little, so he couldn't really talk back. And he didn't understand a word I was saying, but he used to do that. Um, and like Misty said, I, I taught him how to say the name of my favorite restaurant, which is La Casina, because he got to pick where we ate dinner every single night. <laughs> uh, sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> so they used to say they wanted to eat at La Mexican. La Mexican, and yeah. La Mexican. I knew if Justin could pronounce that that the girls had taught it to him <laughs> that was a that was their own spanish right <laughs> they did give away yeah made up spanish <laughs> that's pretty cool and then justin's dad died when he was five okay so that just made him all the more um was it taken a... care of picked on i, I yeah. mean we we did we babied him uh, he he definitely knew how to get whatever he wanted. Very very charismatic, mm -hmm. and um, he could talk me into anything, and did. Uh, well, I've seen a lot of pictures of him. I've researched him a little bit, and he had a killer smile. I mean, he's he's a gorgeous yeah. gorgeous kid. So I'm Very sure. Gorgeous. So I'm sure. You know, he flashed that smile. He could get what he wanted. <laughs> no doubt about yes, it. Yes, he could. Yeah, he learned the art of manipulation really quick. Yeah, yeah. Played the system. <laughs> now, yes. Marilyn, when his dad died, did that was that a setback for him? Um, uh, it was just a very difficult time in life, but mm -hmm. it was very interesting. Uh, um. I had my brother-in-law with me, and we sat the kids down and told them, and he said, okay, can I go play with Stratty now? Mm -hmm. Stratty was his best friend that lived <clears throat> across the street yeah. and was a year older than him, and he ran across the street and knocked on the door, and he said, hi, can Stratton play? My dad just died. Okay. <laughs> So it kind of went over his head, I would his say. His mom yeah. called me and said, what on earth? And I said, yeah, he's telling you the truth, but he just wants to ignore it and go play with Strat. Yeah. And that's how he handled it. Hmm. How was he in school as far as his grades goes? Um, and what were some of his favorite subjects? Um, Justin loved to read and write. Mm -hmm. I mean... Um, he, in fact, his, his soccer buddies would come over to the house and they said, Justin, why do you have all these bookshelves in your bedroom? And he's like, dude, those are all my books. Mm -hmm. 
And they laughed and said, yeah, when are you gonna, ever going to read them? And he said, I've read every one of them. Oh, wow. Um, so he's a pretty he, sharp kid. Yeah. He loved to read. Um, he loved to write. And if that's, and if taking the tests and reading and writing was what the grade was, it was an A. Wow. If it consisted of doing the homework every day, that was a problem. <laughs> I said, how can you ace every test and still get a C in the class? Mm. And he's like, good, Mom. They want you to do all this busy work. Yeah. So. It was pretty much effortless for him then, I guess. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And he was very popular with the girls. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that he ever asked anybody out. We had a neighbor across the street one day. He came over and he said, Marilyn, something's wrong. He said, I've been watching Justin. And dating's so different. When I was a kid, it was biting my teeth and nails and trying to figure out if I dared get up the nerve to go ask a girl out. Mm -hmm. He said, Justin sits here and these cute girls pull up in cars, fancy cars, and drive up to the door and knock on the door and is Justin here? And he says, they just look like models, every single last one of them. Hmm. And they did. He, he had some adorable um, girls that were friends. A lot of them he dated. Uh, he had a couple of really, really good friends, one that called him her big brother. She mm -hmm. felt like Justin protected him, protected her um, for uh, their years in school. And um, he called her his little sis. Um, another one, uh, she always tried to talk him into being a nanny because he was so good with grandkids. Hmm. Just amazing with the kids. And... Um, she she said they made a pact that if they both turned 35 and neither one of them were married, they were going to get married because they were both drop-dead gorgeous and they would have the cutest kids and have <laughs> so much fun raising a bunch of kids. Oh, yeah. And that that was Justin. Soccer and grandkids were really his life. Mm-hmm. So you girls get up on a chime in on any of that? Yeah, all all of our all of our kids call him Uncle Nun, and <laughs> and and they were all really really close with him. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Justin was, you know, his younger age, he was doted upon pretty good. Yeah. Smart. Spoiled rotten. <laughs> his entire life, not just younger years. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I had to do it when he was young because I. Only had a few years with him. Aww. How old was uh, Justin when he started dating girls? I mean, was he on up into the teen years, 16, 17? Yeah, he really didn't date seriously anybody, though, as far as I know, really. Yeah, it was just, okay. He had girls running out in grade school. Oh. When I would go to pick him up from grade school at fifth and sixth grade, girls would follow him out to the car. Mm-hmm. And they would have little gifts for him, whether it be a soda or a CD or just bizarre things. Yeah. Um, and he never really cared about girls. 
Mm. And one day he came home and he said, he was maybe a sophomore in high school, maybe ninth grade, and he said, oh my gosh, mom, you should see this girl. She can sit, kick a ball as good as any of the guys. Hmm. So. So, so that's why I got his attention. <laughs> She's a soccer player. <laughs> so, so if they could play soccer, he would pay attention. <laughs> yeah. So it sounded like he had, he, he never asked anybody out. I think I think the girls chased him enough that he never asked anybody out. They just asked him out. Hmm. Right. He was getting plenty of attention from everywhere. Sounds like. Yeah. 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 He had one girl that he dated uh, quite a bit in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a year older than him, and um, I think he really liked her. But he, yeah, he had a lot of attention from a lot of girls. Yeah. So, um, Marilyn, you remarried, didn't you? I did. Mm-hmm. And how was his stepdad uh, toward Justin? Was he a pretty good guy? Um. <laughs> he was unfailingly human, but he loved us all. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. He adopted um, boys when they were very young. You know, mm-hmm. that was their dad. Yeah. But he was not, um, you know, he. Mm, they were never close. Right. Emotionally, I don't think he knew how to really connect. Yeah. <laughs> right. But along with him came four other boys, mm-hmm. and they all loved soccer too. So um, my children became very close to a lot of their stepbrothers and sisters. There That's were all. four boys and four sisters. Yeah, and you know, Dirk did the best that he could do, but he was not—he was an amazing grandfather. Mm-hmm. He was the best granddad ever. Awesome. He was. That is awesome. It was a very Brady family. Yeah, very yeah, Brady <laughs> much family. Now, Justin, he suffered some kind of injury where he, he got addicted to painkillers. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Tell us a little bit of that, about that, Marilyn. Um, Justin had had several surgeries. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact... If you even look on his Facebook page through his high school years, he either has a cast on his leg and he's on crutches or he's got a cast on his arm and mm-hmm. he's in a sling. Yeah. Um, so he had had surgery on his wrist, on his, um, uh, on his ankle um, a couple of times. Uh, he had shoulder surgery um, a couple of times. And so he was on a first name basis with the doctors, wasn't he? Very much so. Mm. Very much so. Um, He put off having one surgery on his ankle because it was going to be so extensive that he didn't, they didn't know if he would ever be able to kick a ball again. Mm. Oh, wow. And he said, no, um, State's coming up. I'm not going to do anything until after state. And so he he played through state with all of the pain. Mm. Um, and then had surgery afterwards. They actually had to use a cadaver piece to help put his foot back together properly. So, so what caused all these injuries, if you don't mind me asking? 
Um, I think he inherited really bad joints. His brother has bad joints. Um, his dad he, had bad joints. His yeah. dad had bad joints. Mm-hmm. They, uh, yeah. So, and he was so active that he was always causing a problem with his joints. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I think that's what caused most of it. Um, he had had his sinuses done and his uh, deviated, deviated septum um, done when he was in high school. It was just, it just seemed with him it was one surgery after another. Right. Um, so it was more of a medical issue, causing medical issues than... Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then his... He was in his twenties and had had one sur- one shoulder surgery. Um, didn't work. It, his shoulders were actually worse after. Oh wow! And so his doctor sent us to a specialist who said, "Oh no, we've got a problem here," and went in and did a second surgery. Um, and he said, "I'm doing this a lot tighter than I would normally do." the last one was so loose I don't know if it was done that way or if it's your body that created that mm-hmm. so he said I'm doing it super tight and then if we have to loosen it we will and so it was very um, hard for him to lift his arms and use his shoulders mm-hmm. and he was on you know that was back in the day when they didn't want people to be in pain right yeah. So they had him on painkillers, and I, it had been about a year from his last surgery. And then his stepfather passed away, mm. and it was easy to see that Justin was using his painkillers as a real crutch right. um, to deal with life. Just to get <clears throat> through the day, yeah. Yeah, like a mental crutch for you. Yeah. And so. I talked to his primary care physician and he said, well, do you want me to cut him off? And I said, yes. Uh, You know, I'm getting concerned here. And Mm -hmm. so they cut him off. I really don't think people understood that you can't have a child on opioids for a, a year, two years, three years. And then cut them off. Yeah, cold turkey. You have to slowly. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's not good. And it just went cold turkey. So Justin was out um, searching for them and buying them wherever he could. Yeah, he was finding them other places. Uh, Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And when he couldn't afford the real pills, then it turned to heroin. Mm -hmm. So how how old are we talking right now at this point? Um, After his like his last ankle surgery, yeah. To okay, how was he? You know, after these surgeries, was he pretty active? Did he get out and walk or run or anything like that, or or was it pretty much? He exercised every day of his life, no matter what was going on. So you're still staying pretty active and fit, right? Even after his surgeries, okay. Oh yeah. Um. I have pictures of him in a cast in his crutches running into the ocean. Mm. 
because a little water wasn't going to stop him. You know, a, <laughs> a cast wasn't going to stop him from playing in the water. Um, I remember one tournament that they were in, and he was not supposed to put any weight on his foot, so he was standing off to the side with his crutches on. And um, the coach from the team up leaned over to him and said, hey, Justin, do you have your boots with you? And I said, he can't walk. And he said, it's okay. I'll just put him in a place where he can stand still. Mm. And I knew that wasn't going to happen because <laughs> Justin wouldn't be able to stand still on the field. And he scored the winning uh, goal. So he was very active, whether he was hurt or not. So he's pretty damn good at this soccer thing. Then. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, yeah, he was. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. After, you know, you started weaning him off the, the opioids, what other type of, of drugs was he starting to take that you know of? Well, I think it was when he couldn't find or when he couldn't afford Lortubs, he was going to, you know, Oxy or Lortab. Then he started using heroin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Suboxone, remember? He had Suboxone. And a suboxin. huge bag of suboxin. Yeah. That's when I knew that he was. That's when I, I realized that he was, you know, he only used suboxin to come off heroin. Right. Oh wow. <laughs> and so the, yeah, so I flipped out and I when I found that because mm-hmm. I knew what that meant. Right. I think everybody thought I was crazy, but I definitely did. I never thought Justin did drugs. Yeah, nobody did. But yeah, I knew I mean, when I found that bag of suboxin that he was doing. I knew it. Yeah. And I was absolutely hysterical about it. So he hit it pretty well then. Yep, he did. So, yeah. so you think his long being on painkillers that long? So he was probably that way along. I mean, for a long time. So it's kind of easier for him to hide it because he'd just been yep. that, been that way for Most so long. Definitely. So it was kind of normal for him. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I know I've, I have some friends who uh, have been down that road and. They say the same thing, you know, once you can't find that stuff, you can get heroin and it's pretty much cheaper for the same thing. And that's the only thing left once you can't find anything else. So it makes total yep. sense that that's the road he chose. Right. Yeah. And he spiraled out, out of control pretty fast, I think, when he started using heroin. And he started uh, started getting into trouble? Yes, he... Uh, pretty much pawned anything that was pawnable um, at my house and then at his sister Misty's house. Mm-hmm. So I think he really spiraled when Dirk died. Yes. 100%. Yeah, he was doing heroin before that, but he was hiding it really well and controlling it decently so that it wasn't, you know, we couldn't. People didn't really know. Like I said, everybody thought I was crazy because I was hysterical about it. Right. But when when Dirk died, that was like that was it. And he went yeah. from doing fairly, you know, from an outward, like somebody outside looking in, doing decent, to, I mean, I, it was just a total nosedive. So he basically took it up a notch because he thought yeah he, that he felt about he needed... ten notches. Oh okay. Yeah, he took it up about ten notches. He went from yeah, yeah it was mm. bad. Yeah. Yeah. And then he never, after that, I don't, at least from my perspective, 
after that, he was never, he just couldn't get a hold of it, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. couldn't he, ever again. He couldn't. he couldn't rein it back in, right? Right. Yeah, he couldn't. Mm, that's pretty And sad. he tried. Um, I mean, he even walked himself into the jail once trying to get help, thinking, okay, I've got a warrant. They've got to put me in jail, and I'm just going to tell them I need to go into a rehab. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just kind of laughed at him and said, the jail's full. Uh, we're not taking you in. Yeah. Um, wow. So they turned him away. Um, Misty worked really, really hard to get him into a rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went there for a short time. He had started having panic attacks. And um, the first panic attack he had there, they rushed him up to the hospital thinking he was having a heart attack Mm. Um, and you know of course it wasn't a heart attack it was just a panic attack that they wouldn't let you be on um, any medication for that while you were in the rehab so um, Mm -hmm. he wasn't able to stay there after the second panic attack they said no you know you he needs to deal with this and um, get him into therapy get him dealing with that and then he can go through rehab yeah and the only way he knew how how to deal with that was right back where he was yeah right right right. Mm -hmm. so it's just a, a vicious cycle basically right right well and he tried to go to therapy but and you know he didn't have a job at that point he didn't have insurance at that point and they said yeah you know we can set an appointment for you um it's self-pay so it's 160 dollars <laughs> and you know it just wasn't there yeah, so. Right. so he um eventually got in trouble and went to prison right yep yes what was uh what was he in prison for Miss? Misty? Um, yeah, Justin had, um, my mom and my two little brothers were living with me after my stepdad died. Mm-hmm. And they lost the house, so they were living with me. And I caught my brother pawning my kids' Christmas gifts and all the guns that we had in my house. And your wedding ring. Yeah. yeah, my wedding ring. Oh, wow. And um, I told him he needed help and we needed to figure it out. And um, so I figured he was either going to overdose on the street mm-hmm. or I could try to see if I could get the system to help me get him some help. So um, I decided to press charges. And he went to jail. Tough love right there. Yeah. He got out of jail and and we all thought he was going to do okay. But then he didn't make some of his appointments he was supposed to make. And since um, they were guns that he had pawned, he and he didn't meet his uh, probation, Uh he went, they put him to jail the jails were full so he they actually had him go into prison yeah oh wow well and 
Justin called me and he said, Mom, I'm not doing good at this. You know, just meeting with a PO once a month. He said, I'm not, I'm not good at this. Um, I think the best thing for me would be to tell them I just want to go to prison and do my time. And then when I get out, I will have more assistance in being able to get clean yeah. and stay clean. Yeah. And hopefully and that's what yeah. people had told him in jail. So that's, that's literally what he did. He went to prison with one point, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have it on a point system there on your felonies. He had one point. Mm-hmm. So nobody goes to jail or to prison with one point, but he asked to, so they sent him. Yeah, and probably he probably hoped, was hoping to get clean while he was in prison, too. He was. That was the only reason I went through with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, I listen, I listen to you girls do the, uh, the Vanished podcast, and uh, one of you mentioned that uh, Justin had said that there was more drugs in prison than there were on, available to him on the street. Yeah. 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 I mean, none of us knew that, but he found that out. Mm-hmm. And he actually said when he got out of prison and they put him in a place called Fortitude. Yeah. There were more drugs in Fortitude than they, he had seen in prison. Really? Yeah. That is so crazy. And Fortitude's a halfway house, correct? It yep. was a halfway house. It has been shut down. Okay. Um, but yes, it was a halfway house here in Salt Lake City. Okay. So how long was he in prison? From just after Thanksgiving in 2016 until June. No, it was July of um, 2017. Hmm. Pretty good while then. So um, quite a while. Um, Actually, that's a really short time to be in prison. <laughs> well, when you're not supposed to be there, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's probably really no short, no such thing as a short time in prison. But it's, I mean, I yeah. know it's not 15 years, but you know, it's still enough time to get clean if he's willing to get clean or yeah. attempted well, anyway. You would think, yeah, yeah. And then he got out and was in the halfway house, yeah, and. Um, uh, didn't get back to the halfway house one night on time. And so he called them. He was two hours late and he called them and he said, what happens to me if I come back? And they said, you go back down to prison. Mm. So he didn't go back. Ooh. Um, yeah. So a couple of days later, I met him and we... Um, gave him a hug and a kiss and let them take him back to prison and he went back for another two months okay. and came out so, so it sounds like even though when, when just as bad as it gets he's still always talking to you guys right always talking to mom no matter what right it didn't yeah. matter well mm-hmm. Well, that's good. The worst of his addiction, yeah, the worst of his addiction, the worst anything he's ever he did it did not matter. He was like, yeah, he stuck had like glue to my mom. Home. 
even if he knew it was going to send him straight back to prison, even if he knew it was going to get it, he didn't care. He had the, yeah, it, they were super, super close. Yeah. In several... He would talk to us no matter what, whether he yeah. was doing well or not, like yeah. everything. And he knew we were there for him no matter Regardless. how crappy things went. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He definitely knew he was loved. Yeah. All right. When he got out of prison the second time, um, did he go back to Fortitude? Yep, he went straight back to Fortitude. Okay. Um, before Said we get, it was a lot worse there that time. Before we get into that, will you tell me a little bit about Fortitude and what you know about it? Is it a government-run facility or is it a mom and yeah, pop kind of thing? Yeah, it is. It's government-run. It's run by the by basically by the cops. It was, anyways. It's shut down now. They shut it down. There was a lot of. They had a lot of. Um, issues with it <laughs> so hmm. it's shut down now but it was run by by the cops i didn't know anything about it before he went there but afterwards um i mean it, it's been in the newspaper a couple of times it had a a fair amount of issues and then they finally shut it down okay well yeah of course for where we are we had never heard of it but I, I knew it was mentioned a lot of times and i was wondering a little bit about that and that's mm-hmm. I knew everything that I heard was not good, but I just want to see what you guys had to say. So now it's it's a closed facility now. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so back where we were. She said he went back the second time and it was worse than the first time? That's what he told me. He right. said it was a lot worse there the second time. And I have a journal um, that he had uh, while he was in, in prison um, the second time and um, while he was at Fortitude and um, he doesn't get into specifics there but he says that it's really difficult there and there was it was just very difficult to be mm-hmm. there. Yeah, he probably didn't want to write down too much specific uh, stuff in case they took it. Right. Right. Yeah. Did he ever tell you personally how it was difficult or anything like that? What was going on? No. Um, I was mom, and he always wanted to act like he was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So um, it was, I'm okay, mom. You know, it's crappy here. He didn't like the guys there. Um he didn't trust the guys there, but it's okay. I'm going to get through this. And, you know, he was going to get out and make something of his life. And, mm. and some of the guys that were in fortitude with him were in prison with him too, right? Yeah. Yes, because mm. they all came from that. Yeah. Prison. Yeah. I just so want... for good or bad, that yeah, they were all there together. Do you think anything, any of them were gang related that he yes. knew about? Um, it was really interesting. I didn't really know much about gangs until Gloria started searching for him after he had disappeared. Yeah. And she found out that, yes, he had gotten involved in a gang. I mean, basically, I guess in prison, you've got to be in a gang to be protected. Yeah. Oh, well, so you want to tell us a little bit about that, Gloria? Do I, um, so I went, when he went missing, I went looking for him at first, you know, I, I thought for sure I could find him because 
I thought I just thought that I could. Um, so I went downtown where I knew that he had before, but kind of absconded and just went around asking everybody I could, you know, everybody showing his picture, talking to people. I met with some of the people that he was friends with. And one in particular I met with, he just said that he said, this isn't like Justin, Justin, he doesn't go dark like this. Like nobody had, nobody had heard anything, Mm -hmm. anything at all. Um, I, that's when I found out that he, you know, that he was involved in the gangs, but I kind of assumed that already. Uh, I don't think he was heavily involved in the gangs, but you have to really, you have to, you have to yeah. be affiliated when you're in prison. To, to well, survive, a survival yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think he was like heavily involved, but you know, he definitely was involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I found out his street name. His name was Sway. They called him Sway. Mm-hmm. And, um, but no, just still nobody, you know, we haven't heard a thing. Nobody knows. Hmm. All right. When he got out of prison, uh, what was he like when he got out of prison and, and was he working anywhere? Did he get a job? Yeah. He was working at Norda. Yeah. What he was this? quieter. What is that? You know, more. Norda's like a construction. He worked construction. Okay. And a lot of the guys from the halfway house get jobs Works there. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, the only thing I noticed that was really different about him is he just seemed a little bit more uh, distant. Yeah. A little bit quieter. How long did he work for Norda? Well, he worked for Norda when he was out during the summer. Okay. And then when he got back out again um, in September, um, they said they would take him back. And so he went straight back to work. So he got Norda. Sorry. Go ahead. Don't know all of what went on with him, but Misty and Gloria both really questioned. the company and were able to find out that he hadn't uh, been to work every day and had skipped a number of days here and there. Mm. Okay. So when he got out of prison, was he kind of clean or do you know, or did he say he was, or we don't know? Of course he said he was, but, but, um, but we don't know really. We don't know. The last, I, I, don't just, know. I remember the last time I saw him, he was in the back of the car. We had met him for, we were meeting him for lunch. Right. Me and my mom, and um, I knew then something was definitely not okay. I mean, I I remember after he got out of the car, I was literally like, Mom, I, I just, I wanted to go, I, I just, I felt like I needed to go after him, like, right. and mm-hmm. mom, Mom's like, that's not going to do any good. <laughs> but I, I didn't, you know, cause, uh, I just said, I'm like, something's not right, Justin, and we know it, but we love you. Yeah. All right, Marilyn, let's talk about the up to the day he went missing. Uh, you were supposed to meet him for lunch that day. Yeah. Tell us um, a little bit about the tell us a little bit of that about that morning and that conversation you had with him. He called you, I think at six AM. Yeah, he, he called me. Um it was I think it was before six AM, but um I was getting a job. I was switching 
jobs and I was starting a job at the hospital and he was working on a construction site building a parking center or parking structure at the hospital. So he called and he said, hey, Mama Bear, how are you? And he said, do you start work today? And I said, no, um, I don't start work until next week. And he said, oh, shoot, I'm just on my way to work. I'm just leaving Fortitude. And I was hoping we could meet for lunch. Hmm. And I said, oh, sweetie, I'll be there for lunch. I said, what time? And he said, noon. And I said, okay, I will see you at noon. Um, he said, I love you hung up the phone and it was about 10 minutes later when I was actually fully awake and I, I went, wait a minute, that hospital's huge. I don't know if I'm meeting him on the east side or on the west side. You know, I had met him a couple different places. There, mm -hmm. So I called him back to see where he wanted to meet. And that was literally no more than 10 minutes after I had gotten off the phone with him and it went straight to voicemail like he was um, like the phone had been turned off hmm. and from what the police told me after getting his uh, phone records that was the last um, that was the last thing on his phone was um, the phone call that he had made to me that morning so was he walking to work or was he riding a bus or how was he getting to work? Um, he would walk from Fortitude, which was on Ninth West, up to a, about um, West Temple where they have the tracks. And then he would jump on um, the train and that would take him out and drop him off right at the hospital. Okay. So he had just but basically walked out the door. Keys. So he basically just walked out the door at Fortitude and gave you a call. Yeah. As far as we, as far as we know. Vanished. Mm -hmm. Wow. And he hadn't been to work for two weeks. So. Oh, hmm. that oh was wow. His first so, day back. So he hadn't been to work in two weeks because he's just laying out, or we don't know? <laughs> because um, he had stayed out late and wasn't allowed to go out um he had met a girl that he kind of liked and or at least it's the story he told me um he had gone over to see her and was late and so they just told him he was just you know basically grounded for two weeks uh -huh. so he's on lockdown pretty much Yep. Okay, gotcha. He was on lockdown. Okay. Well, no wonder he wanted to meet you for lunch. He's, he's missing his mama. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know what of that is true because, you know, he's not going to tell me anything bad. Um, mm -hmm. And he's not going to tell me anything that is going to worry me. Yeah. What did Norda tell you about Justin? Misty? Norda um, was not very helpful. They simply said he never showed up and that he was wanted. That he had just, he was gone and they wouldn't tell us any other information. Um, we tried to see if anyone 
had talked to him last or knew anything and um, they wouldn't respond. And most of the time they just wouldn't even call back mm -hmm. or, um, yeah, they had no intention of talking to us or helping us at all. So, no. so was uh, any of the guys that he was in prison with and he lived with work on the same crew? Um, there were some people that worked on that same crew, um, and they were people that he had aligned with. I don't, I don't really feel like he was like in a gang, but I know he aligned himself with those. Right. Um, apparently, it's usually done off of race. Everybody's kind of segregated off of race. Yeah. So a lot of those people worked with him at Norda. Um, and Norda wasn't very helpful at um, letting us know, you know, we got a lot of inconsistencies on the last day he had worked yep. and he worked with him. And, but you kind of expect that because a lot of those same people we were trying to get information from were apparently also had been in prison with him or with people who had been in prison with him. And mm -hmm. um, there was one name that came up often with both Norda and um, at the halfway house and um, that was apparently who he was closest with mm -hmm. uh, and even his the friends the people that I met on the street said the same thing about the, the two of them yeah everybody said if anyone knows anything Michael will and um, he has not been helpful at giving us any information either Michael's just pretty much shut down, huh? He won't tell you anything. Yeah. Right. Mm. So, he he opened up for a little bit when he knew I was willing to pay, pay him for a hotel room. And, yeah. The world. I'm <laughs> like, help me find my brother. I'll give you the world. But then, um, you know, a couple of times he said he was going to he was going to have to tell me some things, and then he never would follow through. Mm. So it seems like you're starting to get stonewalled everywhere you turn, aren't you? Right. Now, you yeah. mentioned uh, cell phone records. Were you able to get cell phone records and numbers he had called and or pings or anything like that? <laughs> Three years later. <sighs> Three years. Yeah, they finally got his records like last fall or something. It was ridiculous. It was but not until the other podcast had requested his records that they finally put in to even request his phone records. Wow. So it was last fall that they got the phone records. Um, I spoke with the detective uh, weekly for a few weeks, and she kept saying, there's a lot of records to go through. We put them in the system, and then it'll show us the pings and you know, help us line numbers and areas up. Um, He's, she said, truthfully, most of his phone calls go to you. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's what I've been telling you for three years. I know he's gone because he wouldn't, he wouldn't not contact me. He, yeah. I, I, that's just not Justin. Three he years, that blows that. my mind. Yeah. After you're, you're calling her almost every week, asking what's going on, they're, they're giving you to run around for three years? Yep. Oh. Yep. Yep. She finally told me that um, most of his calls were to me, and she's also told me 
that it looked like um, mine was the last contact he made with anybody off that phone and that there was no ping since that phone call on anywhere. It's like his phone had been shut off or something. Like it would have been shut off and a battery removed. Yeah. SIM card removed. So was yeah. the last ping showing up near Fortitude or did they tell yes. you? Okay. It was well, in the parking lot of Fortitude is what they said. Th- that's from what we understand. So they're basically trying to tell you that he made a phone call, hung up, and took the battery out and threw the phone away. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't buy that at all. Okay. No. Uh-uh. Yeah, this just gets crazier. Um, so then what happens next? You guys are out um, searching. She's Gloria's out. I mean, yeah, Gloria's Gloria out. Is out searching everywhere for him for a year. I'm... I have, I talked with Salt Lake PD and they said, oh, that's not our jurisdiction. Contact Murray. I contacted Murray. I was trying to file a missing persons report. Right. And nobody would take it or do the U.S. Marshals. It. it was the U.S. Marshals jurisdiction at first because he was, he, you know, they, he had absconded from the halfway house as far as they were concerned. Yeah, that's what they so, said is. He's so they fugitive. wouldn't look into anything. Yeah, he's a fugitive. So the U.S. Marshals were in charge, and we just basically had to. They actually they called me one time, like seven months after he went missing. Hey, have you heard from your brother? And I just about freaked out. Like you've got to be. That's what I'm trying to ask you guys. Like that's mm-hmm. what I. He's you know he was under your jurisdiction. Yeah. Where's my brother? And called last time from their facility. That and, and they're yep. acting like right. That's what blows right. my mind. It's they run the place. He calls from the place, but yet right. they don't want to have nothing to do with it. Right. So then, then Misty, I don't know how much. When did when did you get the the private detective, Misty? I can't remember. I can't remember either. But we hired a private investigator, and um, she was getting extremely frustrated because the police weren't willing to talk to her um, or help her give her any information either. Hmm. And, and she, and she was a former police time. officer herself, right? Yes, she and, is. So that's another something <laughs> odd because usually at least they would talk to a fellow officer. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that about that time when the private investigator was asking around is when they switched from having the U.S. Marshal, it be under the U.S. Marshal's jurisdiction, to the homicide detective. Yeah. Um, well, that actually came first. What happened was the U.S. Marshal um, had been calling around. And finally, the U.S. Marshal was talking to me one day at work. And... <laughs> Um, sorry. Sorry. And she said, has Justin testified yet? And I said, what? Testified. And, um, she said, well, it, was there any court case that he maybe was going to testify in? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, not that I know of, but I seriously doubt he would tell me that because that would be frightening. 
Yeah. So just out of the blue, that pops out of her mouth. Yeah. How long and after? Then, how long after he went missing before she told you that? That Marshall told you that? Two That's years. Two years. Wow. Two years. <laughs> and then um, she got me within a week. She had me in touch with the Salt Lake PD who had sat on his missing persons report and not done anything. And she set up a meeting with that detective with me. Hmm. So she and I met one day and sat down and she actually listened to what I had to say. Yeah. That's kind of odd asking you if Justin had testified yet after two years. It's weird. It's like... Like he, yeah. like he took him to witness protection and hit him or something. It's really weird to me. It doesn't make any sense at all. And I know you've got to be feeling just frustrated as hell at this point. Yeah, it, it's that was so weird to me. And then Misty, shortly thereafter, because the police, I mean, we thought that detective was going to do anything, and she did not. And mm-hmm. then Misty got involved with this private detective that truthfully I think if I had fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to spare could really find us answers. <laughs> yep, me too. Yeah. I agree. How often are the detectives in touch with you ladies? How often do, you, do they call you? Never. I used to call once a week and she only answered the phone the first time. After that I had to just leave a message. She never once returned my call. Never once. Really? Yep. Um, I hadn't talked to her in over a year. And then shortly, within a week after her getting the request for records from um, their media department for the other podcast, Mm -hmm. she contacted me. Okay. We don't usually hear from them unless... um, when a body is found that could possibly be Justin, Gloria and I call the medical examiner. Medical examiner every rule time. Him, yep, if they can rule yeah. him out or in or if we could get any answers. And then occasionally I'll get a call from the detective after that just saying there's nothing new and they're still working the case. And that they never did tell us why they moved him from missing persons to homicide. Mm-hmm. And they've never told us they found any other information it's just when we call when a body's found hmm. this doesn't make any sense so no. so is this the detective kilgore you're talking about now yes it is okay yep. yeah because what i heard on that other podcast when i listened to it said that they actually made a quote it was whoever did this was professional or something like that what was the quote um I would have to go back at, at what I wrote, right. but I believe that it was Detective Kilgore that said that when I first talked to her, because there was no body found. Now, I said something to her about that last fall, and she said, oh no, this is Utah. There's millions of places to hide a body. She said if it was the cartel, they purposely lay them out so that they're found. Hmm. So I just thought but that was weird. But at the beginning, weird. they were trying, they were saying things to try to make us... Quit like they were, you know, they were, they were making, they were like basically sit down and shut up and don't say anything. Well, and that's almost her exact wording was, these people probably know who you are 
by now who you and your family are. So lay low, keep quiet, and let us do our job. Mm. Well, we tried it that way, and we never heard back from them. It took them a year to call the first person on his list that I had given them. And they still have never talked to the Michael that keeps popping, popping up, up everywhere. With, mm-hmm. Yeah. That just didn't make any sense to me at all. When they go, whoever did this, who did what? What do you know that you're not saying? If you know they did something, right. why, exactly. why would you even right. say that? That's just, exactly. that struck me really odd. Why would a homicide detective even be over the thing unless they knew something? I know people that are on the run from, from parole for years. The U, they, it never gets switched from the U.S. Marshals to a homicide detective. Right. It's always the U.S. Marshals. So, so there's got to be some information that they know for it to be moved over to a homicide detective. Agreed, hundred percent. This is just there's some there's a cover up for some reason or some I, I don't know. That's there's something going on like here. It's just me. yeah, it feels like that to me because this is just ridiculous. I mean, yeah, we, some... we've covered a lot of stuff, but I mean, not a lot of active stuff like this. But this is just stonewalling to death. They're, they're not telling you anything. They seem like they're just not getting off their ass. But either that or they they already know and they know there's no point in looking. Right. Something something right. weird is going on here. There's some deep yep. gang-related stuff going on, I think. Could be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and we know at Fortitude that there are multiple gangs that work there because, you know, you've got your different groups. Yeah. Um, and so I, I know that. I know there's that, whether it be Norda or Fortitude or the prison, that... Well, you know, no you know, you, willing to say anything. You would think that they know if they, if they, I guess what I'm saying is, if they're running the whole damn show, they're running the prison, the halfway house, and helping this, probably helping this company hire these people because they're probably getting a big tax break off of it or whatever. They should know better than to mix all these gangs together. Yeah. Because then they know which ones are which because they're running the whole show. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's right. another red flag to me right there. It's like they're just waiting for something to happen. It's just, you know, like dropping gas and fire in the same bowl and just wait and see what happens. Yeah. Right. It, it, this this whole thing is really shocking to me. Yeah. And I'm so sorry, you guys. Yeah, I'm so sorry, too. So so where are we at this point? We, we I feel, I guess we just, we're the same place you guys are, right? We're just all baffled and don't know what's going on and nobody will help us. Right. Nobody, nobody has any answers. Um, Detective Kilgore said that they usually get um, more information from Google often than they do their cell phones. She said there's breadcrumbs all over Google where they've been and what they've done. And she said there is zero on Justin, just Mm. zero. So... Uh. So and sad. I told her, I said, we're still going to be calling you in 20 years. Yeah, hell yeah. Bug them you know, to death. What she needs to do is get off Google, get in the car, and go talk to some people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm kind of getting frustrated here because this is just kind of pissing me off. But we I, are very frustrated. I'm sure you are, and I can't imagine the, the level. That's of, why we're so grateful for, that you're willing 
to tell his story. Well, we're we're trying our best, and I think we're going to check into this more after after this because this is just. I think we need to reach out to Salt Lake and see if we can't find mm-hmm. out something somehow. Some the thing way. is, is somebody somebody knows something. Yeah, hundred percent. And probably more than one person knows something. Yeah. Definitely. And all we want, to be perfectly honest, is just to bury our brother. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure the unknown's worse than anything. It's just awful. I just, and like you said, you know, you're, you're sure probably something's happened because you hadn't heard from him, but maybe, I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know. Me and Donnie were talking about before. We thought, well, you know, maybe this is some kind of witness protection thing or something because, you know, just all of a sudden, I mean, how does somebody make a phone call and then 10 minutes later they're all gone and nobody knows anything? And, and I know people think that, but I honestly think even if he was in witness protection, he would contact my mom. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, there's no way. I, there's no yeah. way. <laughs> he would find a way. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. He would find a way. Just yeah. a, just so an he, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just get a yep. bottle of milk on the porch officer. with a note on it. Yeah. So. He had a parole officer when you know that he was supposed to go meet with every month, and um, Blake and I got to know each other quite well, and. Justin's name came across Blake's desk. So Justin went missing on November 20th. And it was the first part of January. And I got a call from Blake. And so I grabbed my phone and ran out. I was at work and I I just said, I got to go take this. And I ran out and answered it thinking that Blake was going to have answers for me. Yeah. And he said, Marilyn, just... Justin's name just came across my desk. What the heck has happened? He's listed as a fugitive? And so I told him what happened. And I told him my frustration with trying to get him listed as a missing person. And he said, Marilyn, you and I both know that Justin is not flying under the radar. That isn't something he's even capable of doing. He could not disappear and not be in contact with you. Yeah. And he said, if anything is ever found, they will be able to identify him. And because he's listed as a fugitive. So we would know it anyway, even if they won't list him as a missing person. Mm. And it was still, you know, another year and a half after that before we were able to finally have it actually listed as a missing person. So, so the last time you talked to him, did he say he was outside already? He said he was just leaving Fortitude. I don't know. I was just thinking, so if something happened, if something know happened, it, that would be inside the door, or if that right. would be. So it's possible outside. that something could have happened inside that place. They take his phone out in the parking lot, pop the batteries out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that he didn't give me more specifics, and right, you know, I was just like, awesome. I get to go give my son a hug. Right, because when nobody's thinking about that, you do it in, in real time. But I was just thinking just now, I'm like, especially after everything seems so, so hush hush, and then they running the whole show. Some something could have happened before he ever got out the door, but we we would never right. know. Especially now, didn't you say when you went to go get his stuff, they still wouldn't talk to you there? Well, and see, 
that's another we went thing to go get, so we went fishy. to go get his yeah we went to go get his stuff one time and we left empty-handed absolutely empty-handed they said they couldn't find his stuff wow and i kept calling them every couple of days and this was because... months after he was missing no I kept calling them because they say if you don't pick up items within a month, it's thrown out. So I didn't want anything thrown out. Right. So I kept calling them every couple of days. And they kept having a reason why this person wasn't there that day or call back on Thursday and, oh, we'll look for it. And we've done some rearranging and it's gotten lost. And it took a good three to four months before I was able to get some of his stuff. Wow. They even told me that there was a whole nother, you know, big black garbage sack full of his items that they didn't know what had happened to it. So was there, are there, were there stuff missing from his journal? Was there pages missing? Um, you could tell? I, I don't have a daily. Okay. So so I couldn't tell you if okay. there were pages ripped out or not. Hmm. That, that's just mind blowing. Uh, it all points back to fortitude, man. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, nothing sounds normal about it, it in my opinion. No, definitely not. Well, ladies, Marilyn, do you is there anything you want to tell us that, that we've left out? Yeah. I can't even speak. Right. I just love him so much. And to have him completely disappear off the face of the earth without a trace and without anybody caring that he's gone is just heartbreaking to me. Hmm. This definitely needs to be looked in by somebody bigger than us. Yep. But... Marilyn, we're going to put this podcast out, and it'll it'll get quite a few downloads, and people will listen to it, and we'll help get his story out there for you guys. Yeah, we'll do it all, do all, all we can. Thank you Thank so you. much. Yep, Gloria, is there anything you want to tell us that we hadn't already been told, or about him no, missing? Just, or Missy, or anybody want to chime in before we before we shut her down? I just think it's important for people to know that. Justin had his issues, especially the last couple of years of his life, but his life still has value. I mean, oh. I mean he's still your brother, and he's still a, a person. He's a human yeah. being. Yeah, no matter what. Exactly. And he deserves. people should still care. He deserves exactly. justice, man. It, it's just crazy. It doesn't make, make any sense at all. Mm-mm. Marilyn, Gloria, Misty, we certainly appreciate you guys being on the show. Our hearts go out to you. Yeah, we pray for you. And we will do everything we can to try to get some answers for Justin. Thank you. Thank you so much for your help. All righty. You ladies have a good night. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Dale, we want to thank Marilyn, Gloria, and Misty for being on the show. Yeah, man. And we want to remind everybody, if they have any information on Justin Huyman, they can contact the Salt Lake City Police Department. And the number there is 801-799-799. 3,000. And even if you don't know anything, call them up and bug them. Yeah. And tell them to give some answers for Justin. Get off the Google machine. Yep. This family deserves to know what happened to Justin. They definitely do. Yep. 
All right, Dale, we are going to get out of here. Let's roll, bro. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is The Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.